Kelly Comfort. It sounds like Kelly Comfort, like um, like it was like an old uh, mattress store gone BBQ restaurant. <laughs> Kelly Comfort. <laughs> Kelly Comfort beds, and then like just like eh, bed uh, BBQ. BBQ. Just That's like funny because there's, the like the Cal- there's the California King, right? California King, baby. Oh, that'd be an amazing uh, plate if they put together like all like ten different items. And name you're it right, the California King. We gotta tell him that idea. It's like the top thing on his menu, California King. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> open road podcast bbq edition jer <laughs> bbq edition are you talking about like flipping hamburgers on a grill flipping burgies depends on where you are but no <laughs> <laughs> uh this is the open road podcast we help you find adventure in the everyday and today we are talking about the adventure of real authentic bbq from america America. Jer, uh, what's your experience level with like authentic Southern BBQ? Well, this is the thing, too. We're talking about Cali BBQ, so there I might know. be some I'm not, people I, out there. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about like, like your personal, like when you think about like your experience with American barbecue. Do you have any? Yep. Well, I think I actually talked about it a little bit on the podcast. It was this year, Yes. Um, and I went to Kansas City and uh, for work. And while mm-hmm. I was there, um, our wedding photographers are from Kansas City. So I right. saw Jeremy, who's a great guy. And I think I did talk about this. But he took me to this awesome place called the Char Bar. And we went to this other place then. My colleague and I, a place called Jack Stack. And we did it. We did the authentic thing. And it was great. It's cool how um, I like kind of the hostility behind like southern barbecue because it makes it kind of it makes them all unique and one of a kind um so yes i and i've had a little bit of experience but like why well, do you what know? did you what was your experience well um we we got some like really good we i did a bachelor party one time in nashville which um i don't know if like nashville is a big barbecue spot or whatever but i think feel like i had fairly authentic barbecue yeah um, yep. Why do you never hear about like Florida having authentic barbecue? I think Florida is just into gator meat, right? Like, which can't be barbecued, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what do you? How actually, do you you got to mince it. It actually can probably be barbecued, and I actually did have. What did I have? I had, I had gator prepared like the way they prepare calamari when I was in Florida. Okay, do you know what that is? It's just deep fried. Yo, you serious, dude? That's all it is. Well, like, what do you mean calamari? It's just deep fried. It's <laughs> a deep fried rubber ring. <laughs> and that's all it was. It was a deep fried little slice of gator. Right, right. And then you dipped it in some white sauce and called it a day. Can the Florida community just like, they just can't handle like the 16 hours it takes. Like they're everyone's in bed before, you know, in retirement phase. They can't, <laughs> they can't do it. I am not working for 16 hours. Yeah, they like BBQ. cook it, cook it, cook it all day. They wait, wait, wait. Then they fall asleep, and then in the morning, it's like too far gone. Burnt like, no too way. Crisp. No way. No way. I'm not doing it. I'm going to go have won't. some grilled fish. Uh, I won't do it. Um, well, all this talk is making me hungry, so if you're listening to the show, you better get some food and buckle up for this interview. Who do we have on the pod today? We have uh, the owner, proprietor, restaurateur, 
um, owner inventor of uh, it's Cali Comfort Barbecue. Sean, uh, how do you say his last name? Walchef. We did ask Walchef, not Walchef. No, Walchef. Wal- yes, chef, it's not chef. Twice. Chef would be too too easy. Well, but, that's you why know, because it's a restaurant. Like, it pops into my head. We want to be proper. Okay, um, so this guy, yeah. he is. I mean, he's like the the bad boy of California barbecue right? because it's you know California isn't really synonymous with Southern barbecue, kind of like the Florida conversation. And uh, he's San Diego, which I feel like if I think of San Diego and I've never been there, Jer, but I just kind of think like fish tacos and pokey bowls and pokey bowls. Right. OK. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, I don't know. I think it's a pretty cool story. I mean, getting into that and being now like a 10 year old restaurant, which is like very successful as far as, you know, restaurant years go and, uh, you know, a, a whole new animal taken on. This is a fun. This is a fun conversation, and Sean is very open and transparent about uh, his own journey and about the way that he chooses to run his restaurant. And so, uh, buckle up, put a bib on, and here's Sean, the owner of Cali Comfort BBQ. All right, everybody, welcome back to another fun interview. We have Sean Walchef from Cali Comfort Barbecue on the show today. Sean, how you doing? Doing fantastic. Awesome. How's the weather down uh, down where you're hanging out? Uh, San Diego, the weather is it's actually amazing, like usual. <laughs> Just always good. <laughs> it's always good. Yeah, we're spoiled down here. We uh, we don't know what cold weather is or hot weather. Yeah, I mean, but do you also like? Have you ever experienced some real seasons? Real. Se- and I'm not talking about BBQ seasoning, <laughs> Sean. I'm talking about weather seasons. Well, I uh, I went to school in Colorado, so we did uh, we did get okay. some seasons uh, out at Boulder. But um, yeah, as far as growing up in San Diego, my whole life we we have one season, and it's usually sunny and 70 degrees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're kind of bundled in a sweater right now. Yeah, I know. This is uh, this is part of the being spoiled. I was telling you about. It's about. I think it's <laughs> it, it dipped down to 65 degrees. So that's when this. <laughs> The, the oh, yeah, sweats, sweatshirts and jackets <laughs> come out in San Diego. Uh, that's awesome. So, Sean, your craft is BBQ and real BBQ. And I wonder, I kind of want to start with you if you can kind of give us and our listeners like a really, I don't know, a short little definition of maybe like grilling compared to barbecue. Because I feel like the two are very different and get confused, especially, especially where we yes. are in Canada. Correct. So, you know, for someone that grew up in San Diego, for us to be a barbecue restaurant and to have a barbecue podcast and to mm-hmm. put on barbecue events, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that would be happening in San Diego, um, especially. Because so why is that? It's just because, you know, barbecue, when you think of barbecue, you think of American traditional barbecue. And that's typically yes. coming out of Texas, central Texas, Austin. Okay. Um, Kansas City, obviously, Memphis, yep. uh, the, the Carolinas. I mean, California mm-hmm. barbecue is something that, you know, a lot of people come to California, they move here, so a lot of transplants. Um, but we do have Santa Maria-style mm-hmm. barbecue, which is a lot of tri-tip um, cooked over red oak. So for us, mm-hmm. you know, getting into the barbecue game was something that just kind of happened um, because of basically because of an amateur barbecue contest that we thought would be a cool idea to huh. um, raise money for local youth sports and not knowing one thing about barbecue we contacted some experts and one of them helped us put on this amateur barbecue event and 
eventually said, hey, if you want to learn how to do barbecue the right way, which is low and slow, cooking it over mm-hmm. a long period of time, smoking the barbecue and not grilling over a hot open flame. Uh, if you want, yeah, if you yeah. want to do it the right way, I'll teach you. And uh, Gene Goy- cool. Goykachea taught us how to cook Kansas City style barbecue, and we've been doing it um, ever since, since about 2009. Well, yeah, and so what made you actually make that jump? Can you even share what you were doing a little bit before, and then what said, what made you say, okay, this is where the opportunity is for us? Because that's got to be a pretty big change. Yeah, it was a huge change. You know, we opened uh, my one of my best friends and I. We opened uh, our restaurant. It was a breakfast restaurant um, in East County, San Diego, which is kind of off the beaten path. You know, we're about 13 miles mm-hmm. away from downtown San Diego in a industrial, residential, commercial area, places yep. that nobody nobody would think you would open up a restaurant. And our menu was kind of all over the place. But our, our main goal was to bring in a sports entertainment spot, a place where people could come and watch the game, okay. not, just as, not just as fans, but also as family. So we wanted to do that, and um, once we started learning the right way to do barbecue, we realized that it really was a craft, and if we could do it right, then we could have um, you know something really special. Hmm. So how did you start like introducing that's not breakfast food in your breakfast restaurant? Well, we just started doing basically slow smoke barbecue into our breakfast. Um, you know, so we, you know, we, um, in, we're here in California. So NFL Sunday is very important for us and the games kick games kick off at 10 AM and most important, you know, yeah, 10 AM, you got to have a great breakfast and most sports bars don't serve food. Um, and if they do, it's not good. So (laughs) we, we figured if we had some slow smoked ribs that cooked for six hours and we put them with eggs and hash browns and, uh, toast, you know, you'd have something pretty special and that's kind of how we started and it's gone on from there. Who's going to say no to that? Uh, not, not many people. <laughs> if, 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 if you like meat, then that's the way to go. I love, there's that sweet scene in, uh, house of cards where Kevin Spacey sits down at that little BBQ restaurant and it's like six in the morning and he just takes on like a monster rack of ribs. That's uh, an appetite for life. That's actually one of our, our favorite scenes in the barbecue family. It's, uh, Come very on. very epic Netflix scene. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. W- watching him devour the ribs and talk about the ribs. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that's actually fantastic. It's very sweet. Uh, Sean, you've talked a little bit about what makes BBQ really authentic. Can you shed some light on what sort of separates the true authentic from the wannabes? And even you as someone in California learning from the traditional way of doing it, would there be people out there who look at what you're doing and are like, Ooh, I don't know if I like what he's up to. Yeah. I mean, that's the funny thing is, you know, uh, my business partner, who's Derek Marceau, he's also the co-host of our, um, barbecue war stories podcast. He, he owns the butcher shop. Um, and him and I have been putting on these amateur barbecue event, now a professional barbecue event. One of the things we talk Mm -hmm. about a lot is that, Barbecue is subjective, you know, so is food and it's something that's, it's so personal, you know, it's something that people, they talk about when they grew up, that's, you know, something that they're, they remember their dad cooking or, you know, Mm. cooking over whatever type of wood they used to use. And for us, it's really about sharing the story of barbecue and barbecue, bringing people together. Um, I think that's one of the things that we love the most is that because it takes so long to do, and it's a labor of love that once you do it, you're able to make connections with people that, you know, they care about doing things the right way, you know, and that that's something that's really important for us. Hmm. 
is there a general like vibe of transparency among like different um like different barbecue shops or is it <laughs> everything pretty secretive well it's funny because i think old school barbecue would be more of being secretive i think yeah you know, we're probably the next generation that believes in full transparency i mean there's nothing that right. there's nothing that we're doing that's you know cutting edge outside of just basically sharing our journey uh, because people all over the world, you know, they have a passion for fire and uh, they care about doing it the right way or learning how other people are doing it and implementing, mm -hmm. you know, different types of meats that they might cook or, you know, yeah. different types of sides. And for us, that's just really cool. It's that's part of the story. And that's part of, uh, you know, we we wouldn't be where we are if people didn't share their barbecue knowledge with us and right. anything that we, we can yeah. do to help other people along the way. That's yeah. that's what it's all about. Hmm. That's really cool. Um, a little while ago, you talked about one of your specialties, which is the tri-tip. Can you describe what that is and what what, what did you say you were um, cooking and smoking it over or under? So we yeah, so we cook we cook our tri-tip tri-tips um, a sirloin. It's a cut of it's a cut of meat that's yeah. very very specific to um, to California. It's probably our our thing that we take the most pride in because most places don't. Not only do they not cook tri-tip, they just don't even use that cut of meat. Really? Um, yeah. So for us, we slow smoke it on our old hickory. We have a huge old hickory pit. Um, we can put about 1,200 pounds of meat on that. And we cook with pecan wood. We slow smoke the tri each tri-tip roast for about an hour and a half. And then we'll uh, we'll finish it on our Weber grill over uh, open flame uh, to get a kind of nice charcoal on the outside. And then we, mm -hmm. we, then we thun thinly uh, cut that tri-tip. So... Hmm. Um, that's the good stuff that's and that's what you're kind of most proud of in your world uh probably i mean you know we we take a lot of pride in every single thing that we do um it's kind of you can't you can't run a successful restaurant or be open for 10 years unless you care about the details and that's caring about the sides that's caring about the jalapeno cheddar cornbread that's caring about the hostess the server the bartender the cocktails um you know, it's really it's really more about the hospitality. I think yeah. that's the thing that, that we mm. take the most pride in. Well, I saw that, and I mean, ten years in the restaurant industry is absolutely nothing to shake a stick at. And if you think about, yeah, becoming a community staple or a place that people will come back to over and over again, that's not an easy thing to accomplish whatsoever. So, congrats to you and your team for that. Thank you very much. Yeah, and it's you know, like we said, it's a labor of love, and it wouldn't you know, we opened, we had eighteen and eighteen employees when we opened, and now we have, I believe we're almost at seventy six. So is that just um, one location? Know, wow. wow, one location. Yep, one location, and um, you know, what do all Derek people do? Uh, it's <laughs> a great question. We've got we have servers, we have line cooks, we have barbecue cooks, we have prep cooks, um, dishwashers, hostesses, catering staff, event staff. Wow. Um, right. managers. Yeah, it's a, it's a big operation. I was going to say, and even for a, a business owner to be someone who's responsible for the livelihood of that many people, how does that weigh on your shoulders when you go to bed at night? <laughs> I mean, I think that's, you know, that's one of the things that drives us the most is, you know, creating a cool experience and doing something cool with a, a restaurant mm -hmm. in a part of town that people typically often ignore. Um, you know, being in Spring Valley, we we love our village. I mean, we love the people that are out here. We have people from all over San Diego County that come and support us. And, um, for us, we wouldn't be open for 10 years if, I mean, we struggled, you know, there was a lot of times where sure. we, we didn't do things right, or we couldn't pay our bills or, you know, we got sued, mm -hmm. sued for doing something the wrong way. And, 
you know, you just have to persevere through that stuff. And um, then all kinds of cool opportunities open up. Did he get sued by PETA? <laughs> no, not by PETA. Not yet. Thank, <laughs> thank, thankfully. Uh, thankfully. I, who are you like for your barbecue cooks? Like you're in San Diego. So like, are you hiring baristas to do your barbecue? Like where are these people coming from? Yeah, not so much by baristas, but, um, you know, part of it is just we ha- we hire for people that have the right blood type. I mean, we talk about that when we yeah, do our interviews. Not a lot of experience in your in your area, right? Yeah, it's it's less about you know it's less about the experience than it is the w- the willingness and the want and right. the drive and the right. and the love and to know that you know I mean people get obsessed with what's my job code and it's not about your job yeah. job code. You have to just care about the craft and caring about the craft right. is knowing that hey if you're if you want to be you know if you want to cook ribs on nfl sunday you're gonna have to start at the bottom and you're gonna have to be willing to wash dishes take out the trash you know do the stuff that you know other people don't see um if you really want to get and you know get to the point where we we let you touch the meat right huh that's very cool what kind of control is there for for all of your your staple items like like the tri-tip that you're you know very cautious to monitor um it's quality. How are you kind of monitoring that with, with all your different staff? And, you know, they must just be pumping it out. And I've seen in those kitchens, like it always looks just so chaotic, but uh, kind of organized chaos, I guess. Yeah. Organized chaos. We like to, you know, think of it as kind of a organized chaotic symphony for us. It's right. It's systems. You know, a lot of it gets to the point where, you know, working with our barbecue mentor, Gene Goykachea, he, you know, he was a competition cook that won championships that, you know, also was able to cater for, you know, lots of people, but running a restaurant is a totally different. So implementing systems so that it wasn't just one pit master that was working on the meat because they can't work seven days a week. They can't, you know, cook for 22 hours. Um, We actually had to create ways to train them and trust them and trust our managers to be able to, you know, check in on the process to make sure that there was quality Mm -hmm. control. Hmm. That's really cool. Um, Even on the technical aspect of that, um, did you say you talked about the type of wood that you're smoking the, the meat and how do you figure out what the best stuff to use is and does it actually make that big a difference? Yeah, it absolutely makes a big difference. I think, um, you know, if someone's coming to our restaurant and they want a Texas style barbecue, they're going to be disappointed mm-hmm. um, because we don't okay. we don't cook with post oak, um, which is or hickory, which is typically what you find at Texas restaurants. So it has a more smoky flavor. Uh, we intentionally pick pecan wood or almond wood um, because it's not so heavy. Uh, and those are all just conscious decisions. And like I said, in the, hmm. like I said, in the other time for us, it's not about our barbecue restaurant being better than someone else's. It's just, that's the style that we cook and we're trying to take care of the volume that we have, um, to make sure that it's, you know, fantastic every time someone comes in. That's very cool. That's great. So yeah, Jer, like cooking with pressure treated lumber, that's a big no, no <laughs> <laughs> old railway. Yeah, don't, ties. don't, don't do that. <laughs> well it, and i mean to me that that is the thing that starts to make the difference between even a brand and an identity within the world of barbecue um and so i that's neat to hear about that my my main experience with barbecue was actually this year in kansas city and um i went to like the classic i think big chain is called jack stack i think have you heard of them 
Jack Stack's amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they, they, were, they do they do a fantastic job. Yeah, that was really good. And then I went to this other kind of smaller place called the Char Bar, and um, it was really cool. It was also in Kansas City. Um, but yeah, it was kind of neat to see the whole sort of community and culture that's been built around it. And we have like nothing like it up here in Canada. So it's all, you know, we say barbecue and we're like, we're going to throw burgers and dogs on the grill. Like Calvin was saying, like, that's just not, not even close to anything about what we're talking about here. Well, we, uh, I mean, that's the cool thing for us about podcasting is we, I mean, we've, we've made friends that slow smoke in Canada, you yeah, know, out of sure. Alberta, out of Alberta, Canada. And, you know, they, yeah, they yeah. follow the podcast and they share their photos and they let us know what's going on. And, you know, every part of the world, there's different people that are learning about it because the internet's removed, you know, a lot of the issues that you had spreading the word of barbecue before someone would have to publish a book, um, in order to get that out. And now through podcasting, through YouTube, totally through Google, through Alexa, I mean, you name it, there's the, the resources are endless. Yeah, and there's there is a neat community in Alberta of like there's a lot of cattle coming out of there, so I'm not surprised to hear that some of those people would start to get into mm-hmm. it. Um, the thing that's kind of making starting to make waves here in Canada would be like the the big green egg, and I think that do you know what that is? That barbecue? That's Absolutely, we uh, we big green egg is a huge uh, supporter of ours. They oh yeah sponsor they sponsor both our professional. Kansas City Barbecue Society event as well as our uh, amateur event. They're fantastic. Yeah, so people are starting to get those quite a bit more, which starts to kind of introduce people to this this sort of style of cooking or or whatever you want to call it, just barbecue, I guess. Um, so there's there's friends of ours who we know who who kind of do that kind of stuff. So that's awesome. Are yeah are. I want to get your opinion on those. Are they kind of like um, an intro or, or like a kind of a beginner's um, first step into into real smoking in, in barbecue? Absolutely. I mean, I think... They seem fairly user-friendly. It's very user-friendly, and it's not just a smoker. You can use it as a grill yes. and also as an oven. Exactly, um, yeah. I think, you know, for what Derek and I, we tell people is it's probably the easiest way to buy a smoker and have your wife approve mm-hmm. approve of it because it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't look like you know a big hunk of metal in the backyard <laughs> you know you, it's, it's a it's a sexy cute little green egg you know no big deal totally yeah, yeah, yeah so <laughs> for sure um sean you've always been someone who's been really open about sharing uh with other people your struggle with alcoholism uh, what's that been like for you as someone who owns a bar and a restaurant well, I, I appreciate you uh, bringing that up. It's something that, you know, probably isn't talked about enough. And, you know, for me, I had a struggle with alcoholism. I, I actually got two on my second DUI. I realized that I could no longer drink the way that I used to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. all of my friendships that I made were drinking buddies uh, growing up, tailgating, mm-hmm. putting on parties. I mean, I was a party host. Um and I owned a bar, you know, it was a very difficult place for me, but I was always, you know, I was a functioning alcoholic until I wasn't, you know, until I put myself in a position where I shouldn't have been behind the wheel of a car. And, um, once I accepted the first step, which is admitting that I was an alcoholic, I went to get help. And, you know, I'm grateful for that because, you know, the five years that I've been sober, um, you know, I've run the restaurant five years where I was, a functioning alcoholic and then the five years um, of sobriety and it's just been night and day uh, wow. it's been night and day for me wow. to be able to take care of the things that I want to take care of and you know really start my family take care of my wife and now I have a son and knowing that I can take care of him is uh, hmm. it's something that that I take a lot of pride in 
that's really cool and and we really appreciate your sort of sort of openness in in sharing about that when when you say you're s- been sober for five years is that like not a drink or does that mean you know you've you've done what you feel is kind of staying on the path not a drink not one sip of alcohol I've been hmm. sober for over five years now. Yeah, and you so and you're I serving mean, drinks in the bar downstairs. You're, you know, that's alcohol flowing I, off the shelves every day. Absolutely, vendors giving us alcohol, vendors giving us beer, giving us wine. I mean, yeah, the amount right, of, right, the right. amount of tailgating that we do at Charger games, at you know, hockey games for our um, AHL American Hockey League. We've got a San Diego Goals. Oh, I mean, nice. Everywhere, ev- everywhere I go, everything I do um, surrounds is around uh, alcohol, um, alcohol, yeah. food, hospitality. But for me, um, being sober helps me do everything that much better. Hmm. Mm-hmm. How does that change your perspective too? I mean, the, you can probably have a good perspective from on the other side of the bar, like looking out and, and um, like, our, our, I guess with over serving is a big thing for people around here. Like that's always being talked about on the radio, like restaurants over serving, like where are you at with that? Is that something you're more um, strict on now or, or just more aware of? You know, it's something that even when I was drinking, being a business owner, we were very yeah. adamant about not over serving because we knew the liability, right. especially here in California, that comes with serving alcohol. Yeah. Um, so what what is that? I'm just curious. Like what what are kind of the consequences from the restaurant? They can, pen, I mean, you can get fined $10,000. Okay. You can get your liquor license taken mm-hmm. away. You can get your business shut down. Um, there's a lot of things that could happen. Uh, you can get, yeah, you can, okay. if somebody, if a server overserves someone and they go and kill someone, um, you could be criminally liable. There, there's lots of things that could go wrong. So, yeah, so you're involved at all levels. We were involved proactively even before, um, you know, I got sober. But when I got sober, I also started looking more at hospitality in general. Um, my wife, mm-hmm. my wife is from Bulgaria and in Eastern Europe. Drinking is a part of the culture. I mean, they right. drink, mm-hmm. you know, during lunch as well as during dinner. And somebody that doesn't drink, it doesn't even make sense to them. Like they don't, right. they can't even register me coming over because I go out over every year and they don't understand how I'm not going to have it like, oh, you're just going to have one drink this time. Like, no, I'm just not drinking. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It's, you know, they're, they, they do have AA programs in Bulgaria, but they're very few. So that's one thing that, um, you know, here in America, as well as, you know, San Diego, any given day there's probably at least 20 meetings at different times that right. someone can go to. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. so do you think you in Bulgaria, like, do you think you would have been seen as an alcoholic or not really? No, absolutely not. Like they'd, no. they'd have a different, a different view. Yeah. Of it. There's yeah. I mean the stigmatism of alcoholism, it's just that, yeah, it's just, you're just not a man. I mean, really, this is kind of how they would look at it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it's gotta be so bad. Yeah. It's gotta be so or, bad or, that or, you're, you know, you've lost your house. You're, in the village yeah you can't function you're naked on the side of the road um right they don't deal with people that are actually you know just drinking in excess or not being good husbands or not being good fathers or good employers or Mm -hmm. whatever it might be right right um so yeah again still being so wrapped up in that industry how would you say you're sort of did your philosophy even on business and on the types of things that you got involved with change after after that journey for you or did you still just say no we're going to keep charging ahead the way we did or or how do you kind of advocate for good choices in in your world yeah i mean i think 
you know, for, for me, it's, it's alcoholism is something that's personal and I wouldn't have never gotten sober if I didn't watch my uncle struggle with alcoholism because there was no one more stubborn in the world than him. Right. And as much as Mm -hmm. my grandfather wanted him to get sober, his wife, his sons, um, he just wasn't going to do it. And once he Mm -hmm. got to the point where he actually had to deal with his own alcoholism and accept it, he never pushed it on me. He never said anything. And for me, watching him actually, his life change, um, was an inspiration. And it was something that once I realized that, you know, I, I can't keep putting myself in these positions that maybe I should go get help. And when I did, when I did go get help, it allowed me to, you know, just see the world a little bit differently, but that didn't affect how other people drink or how we as a business, you know, view our bar or, you know, because people aren't my, my conditions, my condition, you know, and my, my mm-hmm. wife can have, you know, a glass of wine at dinner and she doesn't have to have, you know, three more glasses of wine. She right. has one glass of wine and she won't drink yeah. for another three weeks. So, um, for, for us, it's, it's more about being hosp- hospitable and knowing my lifestyle the way it was before and knowing what it is now, I can go to a tail tailgate, which there's no tailgate without alcohol. Right. Um, it's just, yeah, it's like yeah. an oxymoron. It doesn't even make any <laughs> sense. Like, how can you go to a football game and sit in a parking lot for four hours before the game starts without, you know, have, without having beer or alcohol or yeah. whatever. Um, but it's totally possible. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. This obviously isn't you, but I mean, is there something, um, like, I feel like it's a, it's a very touchy subject, especially if you know someone struggles with it. And then like, I don't feel like you would have a problem people drinking around you. Obviously you don't, if it were like us or something, but, is that um, in the community of alcoholics, is that an issue that's brought up a lot? Like it's really hard to you know, be around it altogether? I think so. Yeah, especially for new yeah. for people that are new, new um, to the program and they're trying to struggle. Uh, a lot of them find it's yeah. easier to stay away from uh, people that are drinking buddies or people that, you know, or just putting yourself like in a you position. You didn't really get that option. Yeah, no, I didn't get that <laughs> option. And that's a, no, you're absolutely right. And I think, but part of it too is me sharing my story helps somebody new that's coming into the program being like, yeah, well, if he owns a bar and he's around alcohol all the time and he's sober, then maybe I can be sober. And, you yes, know, there's, right. there's bartenders that are in the program as well. Their job is to directly serve alcohol. Um, yeah. And yeah. they are, they're, they're an inspiration to other people as well. So, Ah, that's very interesting. So in, yeah. in the restaurant game, how good are the margins on alcohol for you? The best. They're way better this than is, they are. This is what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. It's about Absolutely. the money. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's about the money and even, but even for us, you know, we're, our restaurant, we're 80% of our, um, our revenue is food and 20% is alcohol. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. for us, it's more important creating and, you know, that, that line, if we're more of a bar, then we have more issues with, um, sure all different types yes. of things, staffing, customers. Right. Uh, so for us, it's, it's really more about just creating a place that, I mean, we're not a nightclub. We don't close, you know, we don't open. Mm-hmm. We, we used to stay open till 11 PM. Now we close at uh, 10 PM. So, you know, mm-hmm. we're not really looking to get into that, um, you know, heavy, heavy drinking culture. I really like to hear yeah, that from sure. someone who is, is, so wrapped up in that industry i mean you know when you're a teenager your parents will say like drinking is bad and then you and then you get to a place where you're like no well everything in moderation and this that and the other and yet the truth is what i'm hearing here is like 
if you add way more alcohol, there are way more problems, <laughs> right? So there Correct. is something about it that like right. the stigma didn't just come from nowhere right so that's correct um, and so yes it is something that can be fun and it can be used appropriately and yet i like the the fact of knowing that it is something that is potentially dangerous and you got to be a little bit careful sure well i mean it has so many different consequences i mean every single person no matter who you are no matter where you are in the world you know somebody in your life that you care about that you think well maybe they should deal with their alcoholism right but it's something that isn't talked right. about you know we don't mm -hmm. talk about it we don't have those conversations and frankly as an alcoholic i know that even if you do have those confrontations if you have those interventions it doesn't do any good unless that person wants to the help themselves like right. literally yeah, everything yeah, we yeah. talk about in the programs unless you hit rock bottom you're not gonna you're not gonna do anything right you can want to you can want to change but that's not going to do anything until you actually hmm. you know know in your heart that you need to change hmm. right hmm. right well, that's really cool, and uh, we really appreciate you sharing uh, about that part of your journey with us, Sean. Absolutely. Um, How has your uh, transition into the podcast world been? Uh, it's been incredible. I mean, it's something that we encourage as many business owners as possible to start their own podcast, um, even if they even yeah. if they don't have a business. If you care about something, if you're passionate about sharing another story, um, it's just an incredible medium that allows you to connect with people all over the world. I mean, we just met and, um, you know, if you guys are ever in San Diego or California, I expect, actually, I, I would be upset if you didn't come and see me. Of course. Right? It's only natural. Yeah. And that, where's this, you're in a pretty sweet little studio. Is that in, is that in your shop? Uh, this is above the butcher shop. So I'm at Derek's it's above yeah, the butcher sort of shop. Valley oh, yeah. Farm Market. Oh, uh, he's, he's about a mile away from our restaurant and this is our oh, awesome. converted podcast studio. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's the dream. Um, uh, yeah, that, well, that, that's really cool. How, did you, when you were doing your research, did you get help from certain people when kicking it off or like, what was some of your, um, cause you guys have, have grown fairly substantially if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. For us, it's, uh, I mean, I guess that's probably goes back to kind of my personality of when I was drinking, I was drinking, I was a professional drinker. I mean, I was, no one's going to drink more than me and <laughs> I was going to, I was going to go all in and we're, I mean, we're competitive. Um, and, but we just want to do a great job. If we're going to do anything, we want to do it the best, yes. be, the yeah. best way we can. And, uh, we went to podcast movement. Um, they had a conference in Anaheim, yep. took a bunch of classes, uh, listened to a bunch of speakers. Um, uh, we cool. listened to other podcasts about starting a podcast. Uh, we had some friends that, um, helped us with equipment, uh, things that they were using, uh, just tips and stuff. And for us, it's, how do we, how do we make it better for our listeners? How do we engage more? Um, mm -hmm. You know, we just I literally just uh, came back from the restaurant, and one of our listeners, uh, he he's in Maine. He came out here to San Diego to visit a friend, and his first thing when he got to San Diego was to come over to uh, the butcher shop to Valley Farm to awesome. see Derek, and then to come to Cali to see me. And you know, I'd never met him and hadn't even interacted with him on social or anything, but now um, he's part of the family. So that's so cool. It's so, I know like podcasts get such cool little niche followings like like that. Like next month, Jeremy and I are heading down to Pittsburgh to go kind of visit a podcast we follow, and it's just it's so cool. Well, yeah, it's all over the world. And it's it's one of those things, and we talk, you know, my Derek and myself. It's we never get time in society in this day and age to sit down with someone for yes. and have a conversation that's not interrupted. Right. Um, right. You know, if we if we wanted to, you know, build a relationship with another 
business owner, if you, they own a barbecue restaurant, and we went to their restaurant, they couldn't sit down with us for an hour no. and talk to us about yeah. life and you know their struggles That's and right. the things they did good and the things that they did bad and um, you know any advice for how how they got to where they were. It just it just wouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're in the hospitality industry, and there's tons that you've learned about how to make a great experience for people. What's something from your experience in crafting that for your patrons? What's like a lesson that you've learned there that you think applies to the rest of life? I mean, I, th I think the most important thing is, is caring about people. Um, if you don't care about people, then you just, you, you can't develop relationships and whether that's with a customer, whether that's with, you know, somebody that you, you meet for the first time, it's, it's caring about the little things. And, um, for us, we have 76 people that, you know, we do, we try our best to go through and make sure through our interview process and through our training that we convey to them how important it is to always smile when somebody opens the door, always say thank you, always, right. you know, and those seem like little things, but, you know, it's easy for anybody to come into work and be like, you know, I've got this going on and I got to go do this after work. And, mm -hmm. you know, you forget that, hey, even though the restaurant, my section's not full as a server and I don't have all these tables and I'm not going to make all this money, I do have one table and I do have one person and I need to go and do right. the absolute best job because we don't know who that person is. Yeah. You know, that person, mm -hmm. that person could have just moved into the neighborhood. They could possibly be a neighbor. They could, they could be a writer for, you know, a food magazine. You just don't know. And our job is to always do the best we can. That's really right. Cool. Right. It's What's that been like those interactions with um, like reviewers and writers? I mean, is there uh, animosity or has that been pretty easy going? No, I think, you know, for us, we, you know, we're, we take an approach that the most important thing is for us to be as social as possible. So it's, you know, yes. getting feedback now, uh, there was a time when people, business owners, restaurant owners would, they would die for someone to tell them, you know, sure. about their experience. And now, yes, of course, sometimes there's going to be a bad Yelp review. We're, we're not a perfect restaurant. I mean, we're run by people yes. and we will make mistakes. Uh, it's yeah, about yeah. being accountable, making any kind of changes if there was something that was a mistake on our part. But, you know, the more that we have people talking about us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Yelp, um, TripAdvisor, whatever it might be, the better. Well, and it sounds like you really take the Cali comfort part of your name seriously. <laughs> if people are coming in here, we want them not just to feel comfortable with the food to be like really enjoyable. And, you know, barbecue is always a little bit more indulgent with, uh, you know, the the rich meats and the the mac and cheese sides and all of that. So it sounds like you've kind of done a really good job of, okay, yes, we want every guest to have a really kind of comforting and homey experience when they come into our place. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the food, having incredible food is, is so important, but it's, it's always going to be those, that, those hospitality and service touch points that are going to be mm -hmm. why someone chooses to write a good review or why they choose to write a negative review. Such and, you a know, nothing, point. nothing's worse than walking in somewhere and being ignored as a customer. And I don't care if it's a restaurant or if yes. it's, you're walking into, you know, your hardware store. If somebody, if, if you want help and you want to feel like somebody actually cares you know, I don't, I can't tell you how many times I go into, you know, a place to get shoes and all, all I want is that I find the shoes that I want and all I want is someone to help me get size 12 Yeah. and nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to go back and get me size 12. It's right. like, I don't understand. I don't understand why, you know, so many places 
um, miss right. the bar, but I, that's, that's the competitive advantage. You know, the competitive advantage is caring about people mm-hmm. and caring about people's hard. It's hard to get everybody motivated every single shift to care about people. Yeah. Well, and it's funny how it is sometimes those little things that don't seem like a big deal really are the biggest deal. Um, you know, my, my, my wife and I went out for a nice dinner the other night. Uh, we, you know, we had a gift certificate for one of the nicer restaurants in town and we walked in and, you know, the hostess, maybe they didn't have as many staff people, but there was no one at the front to greet us as we came in. And it was one of those ones where it was sort of like a cordoned off. And we probably waited there for about four minutes and it was weird. And, and it, it was probably like, felt, it felt like 15 minutes. Oh, it felt very you waited, long. You waited for four. Yeah. And our, exactly. and our reservation was seven 30. We were a touch late. So we were in there at seven 34. So it almost felt like, oh, they were late, so that we're going to make them wait. And I'm sure that wasn't yeah. anyone's intention. And yet it was that tiny little thing that it was a great meal. We had a great server. He was fantastic. But it was just that one little thing that was like, oh, that could have been better. And it kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah, no, that's uh, we talk about that. We have monthly staff meetings. We call them breakfast club. And mm. we get all of our team together for people that want to not just improve in their job code, but to improve as people Yeah. Um, and caring about, you know, that door opening and that smile and welcoming people. Nothing's worse than walking into a restaurant that says, please seat yourself. I mean, <laughs> right. it's the, it's the, it's the right, antithesis. It's right. the antithesis of what it is to mean to be a restaurant. Otherwise you just, you know, order food and bring it home or just cook it at home. You know, our, our yeah. job is to make your lives easier and to make you feel welcome and appreciated. I only like that at what a is... brec- like a greasy spoon breakfast spot, but then when I sit down, the server comes like with a coffee and a water already, and says, "Do you need a drink?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, I have a coffee." Yes. And then the coffee's like right there. Now that I can get yes. on board with, but that's and, about it. <laughs> and they smooth it over because they call you honey yeah. four times. That's right. That's that. right. But the coffee better be hot and it better come quick. Yeah, exactly. And and bottomless. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But yeah, you're right. No, you're totally right, Sean. Um. What's the layout of the restaurant? Is it because I've I've been to a f- couple or in, in Nashville? Uh, what's that big peg leg porker? So you kind of walk in and then you do your order and then go get a seat at the picnic table. Is that similar or is that kind of along the style of of Southern barbecue? Yeah, no. So that's like quick ser- quick service, quick casual. We're more of a full okay. service, so we actually. We'll have a host greet you when you come in, find out how many's in your okay. party. Um, we're, it's a converted two-bedroom house, so it's an add-on to an add-on. We have different sections. Oh, no way. We have booth areas. We have banquet dining. We have front patio dining. We have bar seating. Um, so it's really about finding out what is going to make the guests guest mm-hmm. feel the most comfortable. Yep. And um, right. our right. job is to educate our staff on all the barbecue that we cook and how we cook it, why mm-hmm. we cook it, so that people can have a conversation and hopefully uh, come away with a little uh, knowledge. Yeah. And how many seats in the restaurant? Uh, 225. Wow. Oh, I was going to say, he's got to keep 75 people busy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's incredible. That's incredible, Sean. How do tips work, Sean? (laughs) I got to know. So like, is it like going straight to the server or do things get divvied up? So so tips are very, uh, it's a very uh, interesting topic in, in hospitality and, for, for, well, for us in California, um, the we uh, we actually they just passed a law where we can actually um, pass tips on to the heart of the house, heart of the house meaning the back of the house, the kitchen staff, the uh, staff you mean that, that didn't wash exist the dishes. Uh, that did not exist in California. No. Whoa. Um, 
Weird. Now okay. we we currently still don't tip out the uh, the heart of the house. We haven't uh, made that change. The only people that receive tips in our restaurant are people that receive uh, part of the chain of service. So if you are a hostess, gotcha. um, or if you are a busser, and you're actually part of that front of the house experience, then they will get a portion of the tips um, gotcha. of the server okay. for that day. But it all it, so it's all pooled. It's, and... Well, it's no, it's not. It's not all pooled. So it's all it's. Okay. The so each server is going to tip out based off of their sales to each position. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, is there a different minimum wage for servers where you are because of tips, or no. is it the same minimum no. wage? Same minimum wage, which is the biggest. That's the biggest issue that we have in California, which is okay. why the uh, why when I went to Colorado, uh, I worked at a BJ's restaurant and there was a tip credit. So they paid below minimum wage. And as long as your tips yeah. equated to the minimum wage, um, there wasn't an issue. If, if it wasn't, then the restaurant would pay you enough to meet that minimum wage right here in California, okay. here in California, they don't do that. Um, which is the biggest problem we have is because the servers, bartenders that are making the most amount of money, um, they're also getting an increase in pay when the people that really need the increase in pay is the heart of the house and that's the back of the house which is you know one of the toughest jobs in the restaurant and the mm -hmm. the economics just doesn't make sense the way that they've uh written no policy it's all and, so interesting well and that's yeah. why you have now this interesting challenge ahead of you because of course no uh server wants to give up any tips to anyone <laughs> um correct but how do i make sure that everybody's taken care of so that's i'm sure another battle for you as an owner of 75 people of figuring out what their needs are and how to make sure everyone's feeling taken care of. Yeah. And what do you think our, our labor cost is in California for a typical single, uh, single unit restaurant? Like for, for every dollar in sales, what do you think the labor cost percentage is? Oh, this is oh, a good question. That's interesting. It's probably too, it's probably way more than you'd ever want. It's probably like 60%. No, not that high. Okay. Thankfully okay, we'd, be, we'd, we'd be closed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I'm going to, I'm, I'm trying to think of what industry benchmarks I know, but what is it? 40%. 40 percent. Forty on yeah, and yeah. Twenty on food or something. Uh, Thirty-five percent on food. Oh yeah, okay. So food, food, and beverage. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Yeah, and so then so, you have nothing yeah, left to keep the lights if you're on. Left, if you're left from with one to one to four pennies as a single unit restaurant, um, you're doing right. Then you're doing you're doing a great job. You're doing wow. great. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, a <laughs> fantastic job. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You're right. You're right. And so yeah, wow. forty goes to them, and yeah. Off you go. Yeah. So if you want to get in the mm. restaurant business, if you want to get in the restaurant business, uh, there's not a lot of margin. Um, I thought you were going to say yeah. if you want to, don't. <laughs> <laughs> if you want, well, I mean that that's you got to have a little bit of crazy in you, and um, I think the people that do run restaurants, we don't do it so much for the money as we do for just the opportunity to yeah. do what we love and to you know create the experiences that we're able to create. Well, that's yeah, been well, really that kinda... fun about hearing about your passion and the way that you've uh, you've gone all in. Yeah, all in is uh, all in full full gas is how we go. That's great <laughs> because it's a total lifestyle. So how are you kind of finding that? Like you've got a one year old now, right? You said yes, right? So like, yeah, what's, what's kind of been your before that and kind of after that as far as you know hours and your lifestyle change, if any? You know, I th I mean I think. I've all my friends, you know, throughout your whole life, people tell you becoming a dad is mm -hmm. the most incredible thing. And, you know, until you become a dad, 
you just don't know. And once you do every single day, every single day has been better than the last day for me cool. and, um, understanding and watching him grow and just bringing him, him and my wife. I mean, my wife, she's in, absolutely incredible. And she works in the restaurant. Um, she oh, actually wow. brought him, brought him to the restaurant today. And, um, it's, it's creating a balance, which there really isn't a balance. So right. a blend, I, I think a blend is a better way to put it. And what we've always done is, you know, we, our work, our work is our play. You know, we, we, we work when everyone plays and mm-hmm. um, the time, the time that we do spend together, um, you know, we just try to really enjoy, enjoy that time. And I changed my schedule. You know, I'd come into work a lot earlier now and I try to get home earlier than I used to. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, we, we live in event lifestyle, hospitality lifestyle. And, mm-hmm. um, that's the evenings more that, and weekends, evenings and weekends. You got it and holidays and holidays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Calvin, Calvin, how old's Noah right now? He's like, like 18 months, 18 months, 18. So, awesome. Yeah. So yeah. For, oh, one, one child, just one. Yep. When's the next one coming? It's a good question. It's a, it's that's a wife the, question. That's the that's question upper management question. <laughs> yeah, that's got to go to the uh, the back of the house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a question for a different day, Sean. <laughs> that's that, that's out of our control. Yeah. Uh, Sean, we really, really appreciate you taking your time, given the insanity of running a restaurant and trying to have a family, and we're, we're taking up your time here. So we, we do really appreciate the conversation. We will definitely see you when we're in San Diego. We will send all of our listeners oh, there. We'll tell them about your podcast, and uh, this has been really fun. Thank you. It's, it's my pleasure, and I hope to uh, see that RV down here sometime soon. Yes. Oh, We'll, yeah. we'll bring we'll bring we'll bring you to some tailgates. We just we'll, got we'll a some, nice. We'll get we, some good use out of that. We just got a washing sink, so bring on the BBQ. <laughs> now we're now we're talking. Uh, I got a space. I got a space on our uh, on our street for our barbecue festival for you guys. Anytime. Oh, that's unbelievable. Awesome. All right. So, well, we really appreciate your time today, Sean. Yeah. Thanks so much, Sean. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. All right, everybody, that was a great conversation with Sean uh, from Cali Comfort BBQ. Um, what a guy. What a guy. You and I were chatting like, okay, we were able to pack a ton in with him because I just think he didn't um, – he's obviously an experienced podcaster, which you and I always talk about that. We love talking to people that are you know good on the mic, good on their feet, and uh, as, as a business owner, he was like just getting to his answers, not alone – not long dragged out stories and we were just able to, I felt like he allowed us to dig in pretty deep with some of these topics, which was pretty cool. And I am increasingly aware of the kind of value of time, but also yes. the value of connection. And I thought he, it was so gracious of him to frankly give us that time I know. in the middle of a week when he's got the restaurant running and his family. And I think that goes a long way and actually speaks much to his character and his life philosophy and so to me that was that's always what I love is when you get to know someone yes by what they say but also by just kind of the situation a little bit you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um, cool. Calvin you you had a really good idea for his restaurant that we're gonna have to pitch to him what is it what what idea you just said it before oh we... California comfort because like you should be <laughs> if they are truly like the restaurant of comfort they should allow you to eat your ribs in a bed in a bed <laughs> <laughs> like I want comfort all right I want like the best I don't want any wooden chairs or like a bench no. seat 
No. So, so Sean, you know, he said it was a 220-seat restaurant. Let's get right. rid of 50 seats and put in 10 beds. So, cots. Start putting cots in, <laughs> right? Give me And comfort. then all you got to do, all you got to do is you got to, like, make the rent for the bed somehow offset the cost of the chairs that it took up. Mm, yeah. And then you got to get, like, he's going to have to hire, like, 12 more staff to do sheet changeovers. What 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 if we get bunk beds? No, what you do is you you know in those BBQ restaurants like the tablecloth is just paper and they'll yes. get, like it'll be kind of like doctor's beds where it's just you just like <laughs> roll it out like the physician examining table. <laughs> How am I not a restaurant <laughs> owner? How are you not? What the heck am I doing in my life? Mike Cereal Shack 101. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh so it would be so yeah. like these pro like mega meat restaurants i love because they're just like not taking anything from the vegan push in our society and oh, like no. it's a little like in your face i mean it'd be so funny to see um these restaurants like i don't know big signs welcome to the slaughter or something <laughs> well i was gonna ask him how many pounds of meat he goes through yeah. and like how much volume is getting pumped through that butcher shop and i think those are like i wouldn't mind ch- chatting with him again because he was very open, and I do love learning about that. I stuff. know. Like, I w- he, you know, he gave us the sixty, the forty cent on a dollar equation. I'm like, yeah. Well, I want to know how many millions are are running through his business every year to keep that thing afloat because it's got to be millions and millions. But dude, the other and, the other sweet thing about his business is that his business partner owns the butcher shop, which is a whole other right. animal. Like, I think butcher shops are just like so cool. I, I love going to my little guy and just watching him, you know, turn over, cut the cut, cutting steaks off and. And that whole process is very interesting to me. And so I'm sure that's a whole other business that he's, you know, now wrapped up in, which is probably worth an episode in itself. I I agree. And I think we can just learn so much about adventure in the everyday from his story, right? Right. Um from from, you know, a, a ten years of being a restaurant owner, like that gets to be a grind. Like, do you want mm. a weekend back once in your life? Yeah, but know. he's finding right. He's finding his adventure in meaningful connections, in podcasting, and connecting with people. Like I was watching one of his shows. He's like talking to the people who are like the judges on the barbecue pitmaster TV mm-hmm. shows, and like getting connected with all of these amazing people. And 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 so he's like really, really doing it. And and his passion clearly shines through. And that was pretty cool. Well, because with barbecue, like goes hand in hand with um, social. Which is, I think he touched on that in the podcast where like everything they do, it is social. And like, so, you know, you have a big street barbecue, you got 12 hours to kill, like you're networking and you're just chilling, you're meeting new people, you're sharing your story and hearing other people's stories. And I mean, I can only assume swapping recipes, swapping some recipes and or sabotaging. We didn't (laughs) touch on it. I had questions about sabotaging. Yeah, like extra hot sauce in the sauce at the very low level right? all the way up to like getting even crazier, right? Like stealing the secret recipes for the rubs. Here's the thing. When you get into like dudes at this caliber, as innocent as a competition may seem, there's always in the back of everyone's head, it's like, no, I want to win. And I may do something a little bit crazy to win. Oh, dude, that's not even <laughs> in the back of people's heads. I mean, <laughs> everyone wants to win. Oh, no. I mean, but like to the point where like... um there's got to be saboteurs. Shenanigans happen. <laughs> throwing <laughs> throwing the pressure-treated wood in the smoker. <laughs> <laughs> One handful of pressure-treated wood chips goes a long way to helping you win a competition. Just like a guy with a ski mask on and a bucket of water. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, what? 
it's so good it's so good um all of the links to sean's stuff is 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 in the show notes so uh if you're if you've if you've enjoyed this conversation about barbecue he goes really deep uh on his podcast and they talk about all the about the war stories of being around the pit and uh and we'll put his website there and if you are in san diego seriously go check out his stuff it's it's pretty Mm -hmm. uh, i just looked at photos and videos and it just looks so delicious oh it is a little sad, eh, Jared? Like, we don't have that here. And we, we do a don't. little bit, but we just, like, it's not accessible. No. I know. It is sad. Which actually makes me think it's the next big opportunity for a little bit of a food fad up here. I think so, man. Like, people are getting into, like, like guys our age are now getting into meats. And, and like you were like saying, DIY it's, it's, not actually, it's not actually that hard, right? Like, right. Honestly, 12 hours, smoking, like... You, only at the highest level are we really going to be noticing much of a difference, which is why I asked him about the different types of things because it's like at a certain point you get the right ingredients and you it's pretty hard to screw up kind of if you take the time and do the right steps. Like it's just a process. You got to right. follow. So like you're saying like the biggest loser from South Carolina could just slaughter in Toronto. Yeah, of course. Right. And like you and I are smart enough that we could learn how to do it effectively as well. Yeah, or like, you know, we could learn how to develop a palette for it yeah and i I don't think that's arrogance i just think it's it's possible and Mm -hmm. it's not like some crazy secret like he said or like you asked is it something that like whoa it's this big secret Mm -hmm. no there's i think it's people who are willing to share about it it's literally on his sign low and slow it's not rocket science it's just time (laughs) it's just time cool well i think i think we covered it all jer wrap up we did let the people go to the barbecue we are officially on our every two week schedule now. This is Dope. this is coming out on the fifteenth of October. We're releasing new episodes on the first and the fifteenth, so we've slowed a bit from our weekly. But uh, we are committing to this, so keep your eye out. Next episode's coming out on November first. Dropping. Okay, go and find yourself a new adventure this week, this fortnight. It will be a fortnight before we see you next. <laughs> <laughs>